Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church and delighted to welcome all of you. What a beautiful, beautiful Lord's Day that it is. I had no idea, though, what how important today would be. Uh, if you don't believe that a young man's dreams can come true, last week I talked about how when I was a kid, I dreamed of having some platform shoes, uh, never had those. My parents thought they were worldly, and so I, I wasn't allowed to have them. This morning, Jim Jarvis brought me a pair of white platform shoes. Uh, I'm not trying to preach in them because they're dangerous. Uh, <laughs> They're dangerously awesome, uh, but, uh, but I will put them back on as soon as I can. They're amazing. It's just like God kept them for me for, what, five decades. God kept them just for me. They're my size. They're, they're white, like, like, like heaven is white. I mean, they are just so, so beautiful. So if you don't believe dreams come true, you just hang around here. Uh, dreams, dreams come true. Um, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Going to wrap up a sermon series today entitled Simple. We've been talking about the simple matters of salvation and trying to keep it plain. This morning in this house, we're making available to you a little pink card. It's just pink. It's <laughs> uh, a yellow card that says simple. And on it are the four memory verses that we've been concentrating on uh, during these weeks. These four verses are not uh, everything you need to know, but honestly, if you just had four verses to take you through your life, these might be four good ones, these four good verses. It also help you understand the, the basics of the Christian life. Be sure you're saved. Join the church. Read your Bible and pray. And then today, tell others. Tell others. The privilege the responsibility, the obligation, the freedom to share your faith with others is ingredient to the Christian faith. This isn't an add-on for those who want to go a step further. This is exactly what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Tell others about Him. It's pretty amazing. I don't know if it's just a Southern thing or maybe it's just the the circles I walk in, but it's just amazing to me what people talk about. I'm in conversations with people uh, all day, every day, all kinds of people, and people talk about just stuff all, all the time. Think about the conversations you've had this week. A lot of conversations these days about the weather. It's glorious. Kentucky right now is amazing uh, in August, and, and it's just unbelievable. A lot of conversations in some circles about Hillary Clinton or uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and his amazing hair, uh, just uh, things we talk about. I mean, television shows, people will talk about television shows almost all the time. There's something on or something that people are watching, and, and if you find somebody else who you share that show in common, you, you'll talk and talk and talk about that. We talk about our kids. We talk a lot about sports. Some people, if I try, I make a fool of myself. I know nothing about sports, uh, but we talk about sports. Um, of all the conversations you've had in the past week, though, how many of them had Jesus as a topic? How many of all the conversations you've had in the past week, how many of those conversations had Jesus as the main topic? I, I don't know. I, I'm a pastor, but, but I would say most of the conversations I have outside of the church are, are not necessarily about Jesus. The people talk about all kinds of things with me. Jesus isn't always a main topic. And I wonder about you and the conversations that, that you're involved in. Now, that's not initially meant to put any sort of condemnation on, on you or me. I'm not, I'm not saying that yet. Uh, all I just want to call attention to is the fact that the world, uh, our world is full of Christians. Uh, I mean, there are supposed to, supposedly people like us out there everywhere. And the fact that in the world, the conversation so rarely turns to Jesus sort of 
should let us know that for the most part, Christians out in the world, we don't talk about Jesus. We don't talk about our faith. Now, you can't expect the world necessarily to want to talk about Him, but you should expect those who claim to love Him, those who claim to have their lives changed by Him, those who say that they follow Him, you would think that those people would be talking about Him all the time. In the passage that we're looking at today, Acts chapter 4, Peter and John make a bold statement, and it is our memory verse for today, Acts chapter 4, verse 20. It says, we cannot stop talking about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop talking about. We cannot stop telling about all that we have seen and heard. We cannot stop. Peter and John said they could not stop. So that's the question that I just want you to consider for us, for yourself, for me. Why is it that those guys could not stop talking about Jesus, but you and I don't seem to ever get started? They were unstoppable, and some of us are unstartable. And and that is something of a contradiction and something we really seriously need to consider. Why is it that these men could not stop, and, and you can't get started talking about Jesus? Maybe it goes all the way back to something that happened to Peter and John early. Remember where they were when Jesus found them? Do you remember where Peter and John, who were they? What did they do? Where did Jesus find Peter and John? He found them beside the lake. He found them in their boats because they were fishermen. Peter and John, their brothers, they were fishermen. A lot of men in that day and age would have been fishermen, especially those by the lake there by Galilee. They were probably carrying on their father's business and his father before him. These men probably came from a long, long line of fishermen. But one day Jesus came along. And what did Jesus say to these men? Even as they were in their boats, even as they were folding up their nets, Jesus looked at them and said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. And then he said something else, follow me and I will, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now that's very fascinating. First off, understand in that statement, in that calling that Jesus extends to those men, there's really only one, one actual commandment and that commandment is what? Follow, follow, you follow me. You follow me. Now, in those days, Peter and John understand what that would mean. That meant that Jesus was positioning himself as a rabbi, as a teacher, and he was inviting them. He was calling them to be his students. They would be his disciples, and the disciple is simply a student. And he's asking that they would follow him. That means that they would leave whatever else they had going on in their life, and now their life would be about learning from him, Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher. They would be his disciples. So the scripture says they left their nets and they followed Jesus. From that day on, their life was never the same because they followed Jesus. So following Jesus is what he asked them to do, and that is the life-changing decision that they make, the decision to follow him. But that's not all that Jesus said when he called them. He said, you follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, that's the interesting part. You follow me, and this is what will happen. You follow me, and I will make you. So, you have one job, that is to follow me, and then my job will be to make you a fisher of men, a fisher of people. 
That's that's amazing. Jesus is saying to them, what you are, I'm going to continue to form you. You'll be what you are, but you'll be what you are in a very different way. I I know you're fishermen, but I'm going to show you how to fish for people. I'm going to show you how to fish in such a way where your life is not just spent throwing a net in and out of the water, bringing fish in out of the lake. I'm going to show you how to do what you do, but in such a way that it is souls that you capture, that that what you do will make a, a difference for all eternity in the lives of other people. I'm going to show you how to do what you do, but in such a way where it makes an eternal difference to God. So understand, it's the same calling for you and, and, and me. When you follow Jesus, your life will point others to him. You will point others to him when you follow Jesus. So you focus on following Jesus. That's your job. That's what you're doing. You're a disciple of Jesus. But when you follow Jesus, he's going to make your life, he's going to make your life a witness. What you do will begin to point others to him because the scriptures say that the life you live is no longer your life, but it is Christ who lives in you, through you. It's no longer your life at all. That means when you follow Jesus, you'll find yourselves going to the places where Jesus would go. When you follow Jesus, you'll find yourself doing the things that Jesus would do. And this isn't really coming from you. It's coming from Christ who lives in you. When you follow Jesus, you'll find yourself saying the things that Jesus would say. Because when you follow Jesus, your life will point others to him. He will make you to be a fisher of people. That's what he does. That's the effect. So it's not something extra you strive to do. It's not an add-on to the Christian life. This is just simply what happens. You follow Jesus, he will make you to be. He'll make you to be a fisher of men. You, you will be a witness. Acts chapter 4. Turn, look at the story with me. It's actually a, a, a long story that starts all the way back in chapter 3. As the story goes, Peter and John were going to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. You get that? That's how the story starts, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. They were going to the temple for prayer meeting. That's it. They had no grand intentions that day of turning the city upside down or anything else. All they were doing was going to the prayer meeting. They're Jewish men who are following Jesus now, but as good Jews are going to the afternoon prayer service at the temple. But, but understand, the life that they live now is Christ living in them, so you know it's going to be an adventure. It always is. So Peter and John go to the temple, and they walk past this guy who's, who's a crippled beggar. He's a layman who's been there forever. Everybody knows him. Everybody's seen him. People have walked past him before. But Peter and John don't just walk past him. Now, why do they stop? Why would they stop? Nobody else is stopping. Why would they stop? Because Jesus would stop. Do you understand? The life that they live is not so much their life anymore. It's Christ living in them. So now when they go to the temple, it's like Jesus going to the temple. They're going to go to the temple the way Jesus would go to the temple. Do you understand how it works when you follow Jesus? Are y'all with me? Okay, when you follow Jesus, it's Christ in you. So they stop and talk to the, to the lame man because Jesus would stop. But it goes further than that. They end up healing the lame man. Now, I'm reminding you, Peter and John didn't get up that morning, put butter on their Pop-Tart and think, I believe I will heal a lame man today. 
I'm going to go down to the temple and, and, and heal somebody. No, no. They were just going to the prayer meeting, but they stopped and they healed the lame man because that's what Jesus would do. You understand? The life that they live is no longer their life. It's Christ living in them, and Jesus would heal the lame man. Do you see this pattern? So once they heal the layman, well, then all of a sudden, all eyes are on them. Now, they had no intention of stealing the show at the temple. They were just going to go be a quiet part of the prayer meeting, but it's not turning out that way for them because, you see, Jesus has a way of sort of interrupting the day you thought you were going to have. So now all eyes are on them because they've just done something amazing. They have healed a crippled lame man. That they didn't necessarily come to the temple to heal, but that's how it turned out. And now people are wanting to know, how did you do that? What just happened? Explain that to us. So all of a sudden, although this wasn't on the order of worship for the prayer meeting that day, Peter and John are being invited to speak to the crowd. And so they do. It's a pretty awesome sermon. I'm sure Peter would have liked a moment to prepare it, but that's sort of the point. He didn't have to prepare it. He didn't need to work on a sermon. He didn't need anything. They're just asking an honest question, how did you do that? And Peter doesn't have to think twice to tell him the answer. Do you understand? What's the answer? It's one word. Jesus. Jesus, I can tell you exactly how that just happened. And the answer is, is Jesus. It's really, really interesting. And this is, I guess, rule number one, principle number one when it comes to being a witness for Jesus. And this is it. Be ready to answer when somebody asks. You just be ready, and in many cases, just willing to answer when somebody asks. I remind you, Peter and John didn't go to the temple that day to preach a sermon and lead a bunch of people to Christ. That's what happened, but that's not what they expected. But as it turns out, when people ask them, please explain what just happened, they're just willing to answer. And that being willing to answer when somebody asks, honestly, is the biggest part of it. You just got to learn how to open your mouth when people give you the opportunity. First Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says this, read it with me. If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Here at Woodburn Baptist, we have care night uh, every other month on a Sunday night. That's the night we set aside to send people out, and some of you love to go out and, and share the gospel, and it's, and it's great that some of you will do that on care night. That's, that's, that's amazing. But if you're thinking that your life of telling others about Jesus is scheduled like that, th- then you've never really understood what this is about. You don't schedule it. You, you live it. You don't necessarily always go out on purpose, although you should do that too. But, but the point is, for the most part, you just be ready when somebody asks, and they will ask. When you're following Jesus, they will ask. Now, some of you may not get a lot of questions because really, really honestly, you're not following Jesus that closely. You don't live a life that is different enough that anybody would notice that there's something about you that demands an explanation. I'm just being truthful. When you follow Jesus, the words you say, the, the things that you do, the places you go w- will be different, and that difference will, will inspire a kind of curiosity about you. How, explain to me how you manage to, to, to keep your head when everything is going crazy around you. Explain to me how you manage to, to be so positive. Explain to me, tell me how it is that you made it through that. I mean, people will begin to ask, and when they ask, you just explain, you just answer, and the answer is always Jesus. 
Now, even in this coming week, and, and write it down right now that Pastor Tim said it, in this coming week, somebody's going to ask you something, and the, and the answer to that question is going to be Jesus. The, the, the question for some of you, though, becomes, will you ever say his name? Will you be willing to answer when you're asked? Because you're going to be asked, and people are asking you all the time. The problem is you've trained yourself to change the topic. You've changed, you've trained yourself to almost miss the opportunity because you honestly don't really necessarily want to talk about your Christian hope. But the opportunity's there for you. I mean, it's as simple as tomorrow when you get to work or school, and somebody says, what did you do this weekend? And what are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, pfft, nothing. We, you know, we piddled around a yard, and we went out and ate at Roosters, and, you know, it gave, gave me indigestion, and then my husband, he's up all night, you know, with gas, and, uh, and uh, you know, and then here I am, you know, as if the highlight of your weekend was your husband's gas, as if the highlight of your weekend was piddling around the yard. They're going to ask you what you did this weekend. Isn't that an opportunity to say, well, you know, Saturday not much, but you know what? Sunday, even though my husband was a ga- as gassy as, you know, a, a blimp, you know, we, we went to church, but because I'm telling you, Sunday is always a highlight of our weekend. I mean, you know, it's an opportunity to talk about Jesus. You're just, you've trained yourself not to talk about Jesus because you're assuming nobody wants to know. But the thing is, they're asking you. They're asking you, and if you follow Jesus and live for Jesus, you're going to get asked a lot of questions. Just answer. Just answer. Just be bold enough to answer. Well, Pastor Tim, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know a lot of Bible verses. Isn't that what you're thinking right now? I don't know a lot of Bible verses, and I, and I don't talk very well, and I can't preach, and, and I'm telling you, if I started trying to talk about Jesus, I'd make a mess of it. I mean, I would just never, ever be able to, to do what you do. I'd never be able to explain the Bible or nothing. I just can't. This is what you don't understand. And this is what the Scripture says about Peter and John. Notice, I'm going to jump right into verse 13. The members of the council, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the, what? Boldness of Peter and John. What's this? Because they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. Okay, what's that mean? It means when Peter and John opened their mouth... It was obvious they had no training in the Scriptures. You know what I mean? They weren't fooling anybody. About, you know, 60 days ago, they were fishermen, and they're still fishermen. I mean, when they opened their mouths, everybody said, wow, I wonder where they went to school. I wonder where they went to seminary. Everybody said, well, I'll tell you one thing. Those boys don't, they couldn't fight their way out of a Bible with a wet paper bag. I mean, they, they, they don't seem to know that stuff. That's not what impresses them. They see their boldness, and they could see that they're ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures, but they could recognize that they are men who had been with Jesus, the fact that you and I are so ordinary makes us the best witnesses to how extraordinary Jesus is. Now get that. The fact that you and I are so ordinary makes us the best possible witnesses to how extraordinary Jesus is. They know that if something amazing happens coming out of me or you, it didn't come from me and you. The other day, uh, Miss Wilma had the staff over to her house for lunch. It was great. All the staff were in Miss Wilma's table. She had an amazing lunch. It was beautiful. It was great. Uh, dessert uh, was this homemade banana bread. So it was so good. Homemade banana bread, and she had ice cream. 
ice cream. So I brought the ice cream out with the scoop. And you know, sometimes ice cream's kind of hard and hard to scoop, you know. And so Miss Wilma said, that ice cream's probably pretty hard to scoop. So if it's too hard to scoop, y'all just hand it to Rod. No, why did she say Rod? Which is what I said, well, Miss Wilma, what are you saying? Exactly. Because Miss Wilma looks at Rod, and he's, he's big. His arms are big. He looks strong, right? And she's looking around the table at me <laughs> and Rod, and she says, if, if we need muscles, we're going to hand the ice cream to Rod. Yeah. A little bit offensive <laughs> to the rest of us. Apparently, she missed the gun show one Sunday, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, apparently, she missed that. No, it's It's true. Rod is the Hulk. You know, Rod, Rod, Rod is big. His arms are, are big, just giant. And, and I'm the same way, man. If I got pickles to open, I'm going to hand them to Rod, you know? Uh, obviously, he's got that strength. So, uh, but at the same time, if Rod's scooping out, I mean, Rod could scoop concrete. I know that. But, but that's the point. If Rod does it, nobody's surprised because he looks like he could do it. But if I do it, hallelujah, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah, little noodle arms, man. There's something in there. It must be the Holy Spirit. See, this is the point. The fact that you and I are so ordinary, the fact that you and I don't don't necessarily seem to have all the Bible memorized, and we can't necessarily lace it all together and put a bow on it. I mean, that's not what's required. What is required is that somehow you allow the extraordinary Jesus to somehow shine through ordinary you. And that's what makes you a witness. You're a witness to power that's not your own. You're a witness to salvation that did not come from yourself. You are a witness to joy that has nothing to do with your circumstances. Ordinary you and ordinary me, Jesus is able to be extraordinary in us. They looked at Peter and John, and it was obvious that they were ordinary, untrained doofuses, but it was equally obvious they have been with Jesus. They have been with Jesus. They ordered Peter and John to stop preaching. They thought that that would be the easiest way to end all the trauma of this day. You guys just stop preaching. Don't tell anybody else. Go home. This will all be over. Stop saying his name. Stop telling people about him. Just stop. And what do they say? We, we, we can't stop. We can't stop telling about the things that we have seen and heard. Can't stop. They have been with Jesus. I asked the question, why are they so unstoppable and, and you and I seem to be so un, unstartable? We often think of witnessing in church as a verb. Witness is something you do and something you don't like to do. But Peter and John, it wasn't that they were witnessing. They, they were witnesses is a noun. That's what they were. They had seen something. That's what a witness is. They had heard something, Jesus' own voice. That's what a witness is. And, and because of what they had seen and heard, they, they, they couldn't stop talking. They had witnessed something. They were witnesses. 
Maybe the reason you struggle to witness is that you're not a witness. Do you know Jesus? Have you been with him? This is where their boldness comes from. This is where their power comes from. It's not from them. It's from having been with Jesus. They had seen something of Jesus. They'd heard something from Jesus, and that made them witnesses. I just wonder what you've seen. I just wonder what you've heard. The fact that you really don't seem to have a story to tell really makes me wonder because honestly, you'll never tell the story of Jesus until you, until you actually have a story to tell about Jesus. And honestly, some of you don't. You've heard other people tell stories about Jesus, about how Jesus saved and changed their lives, but there's been no change in you. Honestly, there's been no change in you. You've heard other people talk about how Jesus set them free and how Jesus, you know, filled their life with joy and peace, and there's no joy and peace in you. You, you don't have a story to, to tell. That, that really should trouble your heart. Some of you in the sound of my voice, some of you in this room today, you're in church, but, but you're not a follower of Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you'll have a story. You'll have lots of stories to tell about him. It is an everyday adventure of living a life that's not your life at all, but Christ who lives in you. And therefore, you find yourself going places you never expected to go and doing things that you would never, ever do on your own and saying things that really, that really come from some voice not your own. And, and that is the adventure of following Jesus. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. Do you know him? Can you bear witness to how extraordinary he is? Can you tell a story of how he changed your life? You won't be telling a story of Jesus until you have a story to tell about him. And the bottom line is these men had been with him. Couldn't stop talking about him because they knew him and they loved him. Maybe it's not so much that you don't know the Bible. Maybe it's that you don't know Jesus. The end of this story here is just amazing. I know I've I've taken us through a long way without reading very much of it. But but the very end of this story is is, is fascinating. Peter and John face down the government. They they face down the leaders and say, we we can't stop. We will not stop talking about what we've seen and heard. And then they gather back with the church. They go back with the other believers. And again, these are the earliest believers, the earliest church, just literally months after Jesus has gone back into glory. I mean, it's, it's, it's brand new. And notice the way, they, the way they pray. It starts in about verse 28. Let's start there. Everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. In verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Hear their threats. Talking about the Jews, talking about the government. Hear their threats. And Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. They pray for boldness. That's interesting because if you remember back, it's the one thing that they've already been noted for. People saw boldness in Peter and John. And these men who had been so bold, I mean, standing up to the threat of imprisonment, maybe even the threat of death. I mean, remember the same rulers that they're facing are the same ones that just crucified Jesus. They, they know what these men can do. They know the kind of danger they're in, but their boldness is extraordinary. So they've already shown this boldness, but then they turn right around and pray for boldness. So, 
So where does boldness come from? If boldness is what you and I lack, if we have a story to tell, but we're just never bold enough to tell it, where does the boldness come from? It comes from Jesus. It comes as a gift that they pray for it. God, make us bold. Give us boldness. Give us boldness so that we will not be afraid. Give us boldness so that we will not be intimidated. Give us boldness so that when we need to have words, we will find words on our lips. Make us bold. I really do think it's a, it's a gift from God. It's something he gives, but I also think it's like a muscle you got to use. It's not enough to pray for boldness. I think one of the ways we gain boldness is by going out and being bold. You see? The way you gain boldness is by being bold. You just begin to speak. You take a stand. You have to work boldness like a muscle. And again, I don't have a lot of muscles to to tell you about. About a year ago, though, I saw Matt Betts do push-ups at a staff retreat. He's being all something, you know, and I just wanted to just, you know, just... So I thought, man, I'm going to be 50 soon. I need to do something, you know? So I would never do it in front of the whole staff. I wouldn't do it in front of nobody. Not even my wife. But I went back home and thought, man, can I even do a push-up? I wasn't sure. Can I do a push-up? You want to put money on whether or not I can? I'm kidding. That first time, I could not. I'm embarrassed to say, man, I couldn't do a single push-up. I laid on the floor and was like, I mean, nothing went up. You know. So then I, I vaguely remember in seventh grade how Mr. Brookshire and Mr. Boyd would let girls do like girl push-ups, you know? So I thought, man, can I even do a girl push-up? So, yeah, you know, so I kind of got down, you know, and, you know, like the girls would do, and it's like, oh, that's, that's even hard. That's hard. Those, those were tough girls in seventh grade. So I started, I just thought, man, I'll do some girl push-ups for a while. Although in my mind, I called them ninja push-ups. You know, these are ninjas. And but man, I'll get to where I can just do 10 ninja push-ups, like girl push-ups. And pretty soon I could do 10 like ninja push-ups, you know. And, and then pretty soon I, I got to where I could do like, like one, you know, big boy push-up. And then, and then I would drop down and do like the rest girl push-ups. And, uh, but I just stayed with that. I just stayed with that. A year later, Miss Wilma is still asking other people to, you know, scoop out the ice cream at, 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 at the table. But what she doesn't know is, y'all, I'm doing like 100 push-ups a day, like big boy push-ups. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm getting skinnier and skinnier, you know, <laughs> but it's awesome. No, I'm not bragging. I'm saying that those muscles get stronger when you use them. And boldness is like that. Right now, it's so scary for you to even say Jesus' name to people outside of your church friends, but, but you'll get used to it. It'll, it'll come to you. Boldness is something that the Holy Spirit will absolutely give you, but it's also something that you absolutely must exercise. It doesn't work if you won't be bold. You understand? But, but that's not all. Notice their prayer. Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word and stretch out your hand with power. They pray for two things, and I consider this the most dangerous prayer that the church ever prayed and amazing. They basically ask for two things, and they're the two things that I want us to pray for as a church. Pray that we may show up with boldness. God, make us bold. But then what's next? God, you show up with power. God, you let us show up with boldness, and then you show up with power. 
This is the dangerous prayer. And this is the dangerous prayer that I would like us to pray as Woodburn Baptist Church. God, make us bold. You give us boldness and we will show up with boldness and you show up with your power. And then notice what happens at the end. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. The place shook. People were filled with the Spirit. They went out and preached with boldness. They showed up with boldness. God showed up with power. The the power that Christ brings is not the power to make you bold. Understand, he gives you boldness. You just go out and be bold. The power is the power to save. The power is at work in those to whom you speak. It's the power to change their hearts. It's the power to convince them of the truth. That doesn't come from you. It's not your job to save people. It's not your job to convince people. It's just your job to talk about what you've seen and heard of Jesus. When you do that with boldness, he shows up with power. He'll change their hearts. He'll show them that it's true. He will save him and save the world. You understand? You just show up with boldness. You just be a witness. You leave the world changing to Jesus. He'll do that part. You show up with boldness. He'll show up with power. It happened for the church then. It really needs to happen for the church now. Peter and John said, we cannot stop telling about all that we have seen and heard. Lord, make it that we will never be able to stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We are witnesses of extraordinary Jesus. We're still ordinary. But if we'll show up with boldness, he'll show up with power, And the world can be changed. Pray with me. God, sometimes we wonder how people who don't know you get through life. We see sick people and grieving people and hurting people and people who struggle. We just wonder, how do they do it without Jesus? How do they do it without you, Lord? We scratch our heads and we wonder, Lord, but we never take it the step further to see that they might maybe come to know you, to see that they might have the peace and strength and joy that we know we find in you, Lord. Forgive us. We have forgotten what we've seen and heard. We've forgotten that the world needs to see and hear. We've forgotten, Lord, that the gospel should not stop with us. It should flow through us. It was never intended to come, Lord, and just rest in our hearts. It was coming to us on the way to somebody else. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we will carry the gospel to somebody else. Christian life is not complicated. And being a witness is not complicated. We just must be bold enough to be willing to give an answer when somebody asks us a question. We just need to be bold enough, Lord, to talk about what we've seen and what we've heard, Lord. And nobody can argue with what we've seen and heard. We're witnesses to you, O Jesus. Jesus, would you make us bold? Would you make us brave? Would you make us so that in school we would not be intimidated by those who don't know you and don't respect you? Would would you make it so that we would be able to find words that we could use that could describe the faith and love we have in you? Would, Would you make it, Lord, so that at work we don't continue to sit there silently? Would you make us bold and 
Would you show up with great power, Lord, so that when we speak, you would add something to our ordinary words so that lives could be changed, hearts could be opened, the world could be saved, Lord. It's the power of the gospel. And it works through people like us. Jesus, would you make it so that it begins to work through people like us? Lord, in this coming week, someone's going to ask me a question, and the answer is going to be the name of Jesus. Lord, will you help me to say your name when your name is the only answer to the question? In the coming week, Lord, somebody's going to ask me a question, and the answer is going to be Jesus. Lord, in the coming weeks, somebody whose path I cross is desperately going to be needing to hear the good news of salvation. Lord, will you make me willing to at least tell the story of how I got saved? Would you? Would you make us, Lord, so that we stop thinking that it's something that we can't do? Would you make it so that we stop thinking that it's something that nobody wants to hear? Would you just make it, Lord, so that we can follow you? Just follow you? And it becomes your job, oh Jesus, to make us to be fishers of men and women. So help us, Lord, to follow you. And then you make of us what you will. And we will be your witnesses. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.